Hello, and welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, uh, CEO and founder of Staff Geek. Today, I want to welcome my guest and friend, Anissa Deshpande, who is the principal at Logue Lab. And Logue Lab offers fractional chief people officer services. Anissa is also a teacher of a master's level course in HR analytics. She's hoping to open the minds of people about how HR can play a strong role in the business. Hello, Anissa. How are you? And thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's uh, great to be here. Should we compare hairstyles now to make sure that we're keeping up with our uh, pandemic cosmetics or <laughs> we talked about that before? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good to actually see you, I should say. And to, <laughs> Sean told me that he's been checking out YouTube videos of long haired styles for men. Um, and I'm definitely anxious to see what my natural hair color will be when this is all done. Awesome. Well, plenty keeping us busy, of course. And uh, before we kind of dive into the topic of our show here today, I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to tell kind of the story behind the company name that you've chosen. And I would like to learn a little bit more about the famous tagline, both myself and for our listeners. Sure. So uh, Logue actually means people in Hindi. And so when I made the decision to go out on my own about, oh gosh, over five years ago, I... Uh, People Lab was actually taken. And so I was in the Indian grocery store with my mom and I turned around to her and I asked her, hey, how do you say people in Hindi? And she said, Log. And so that's how Log Lab was born. Maybe we'll have to think about renaming this uh, podcast at some point or replace <laughs> the people. Sure, I'll just, I'll go ahead and ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, let her, uh, let her know if uh, she has any other suggestions for us. <laughs> and how about the tagline for your company? Oh, right. So uh, the tagline is HR sucks, but it doesn't have to. And it came out of a lot of discussions with CEOs about and, and friends that were facing HR issues and would call me and I tell them, hey, you got to go talk to your to your internal HR department. Do I really have to talk to them? You know, I just I, I just dislike talking to them so much. HR just kind of sucks. And so I would tell them, like, if we rethink HR or if we modernize HR, it doesn't have to suck. It can be some, it can be a function that really helps the business achieve business outcomes and also create a place where people love to work. It doesn't have to start with no all the time. And um, so that's how we came up with that tagline. I love it. I think it's super empowering and it's in keeping with what I've experienced as well, too, from all the HR leaders that I know where they're right? Looking to empower the business as much as they can. The workforce, the business, there's so much value that they can add there, so much that they can contribute. So kind of uh, breaking those misconceptions, I think is awesome. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about what we wanted to discuss on today's show, which is in the midst of right the pandemic, where there's no shortage, unfortunately, of kind of bad news to go around and challenges that people are experiencing. We want to talk a little bit about kind of the silver linings that um, we're hearing about and that we're seeing, and then what those may ultimately mean for the future of you know, organizations across the world. So having said that, um, do you have some ideas as far as what you'd like to share with us um, with regard to what you've seen uh, when it comes to silver linings um, during these times? Yeah. I mean, I think there are, are several um, trends that may have started before the pandemic, but are now really going to accelerate as a result of the pandemic. And so maybe they were kind of moving, we were nudging towards these trends, but now we're going to see them really accelerate. 
And I think one of the first ones is that there is going to be more of an emphasis on a purpose, a company's purpose over short-term profit. And, you know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, this is a topic that we've, we've seen been, you know, that, that's been written about a lot, that companies that have this long-term view that think more about, you know, what the best situation or what the best um, opportunity is for the long term really are the ones that are more sustainable um, and that the short-term profit and the financial engineering that happens at some point companies can't withstand all of that. And so I think something like a global pandemic is really where you start to see some of these things happen, right? Before the pandemic, um, I think we were all doing really well. I mean, unemployment was at its the lowest it had been in years and you know just six weeks later you know uh, unemployment is the highest that it's been potentially since the great depression or is on track to do that so and um, i think we're going to see now that prioritizing the short term is not a way that we can weather some of these uh, things that we can't control and um, i think that uh, companies that are living up to or, or are emphasizing their purpose like patagonia you know, they also get, uh, they also have, tend to have a favorable view um, by their customers because they're not just looking to make the next dollar, but they're really thinking about how they treat their employees right. And in something like a global pandemic, the other thing that you'll find is, you know, how you make decisions, how you treat people during this time, and how you communicate those decisions is really going to be a reputation over the next several years. And so, you know, um, where companies have sacrificed profit by potentially staying open longer than they should, they're now being faced with business continuity issues and um, because they've had to close plants down or whatnot or, or warehouses down because they've got, um, you know, uh, COVID-19 outbreaks across those, uh, those areas. So I think that's the, this trend that we've started to see happen where values are something that people actually live and not things on the wall. Um, where the purpose of the company is really put at the forefront when making decisions. That's something that we're going to see accelerate. And to me, that's truly a silver lining. And some, some other things that I think we're going to see, you know, we were joking about um, hair and, and showing up as we are, right? I think authenticity is really going to take on a new meaning. We're all kind of co-located right now with, you know, our families and our, our roommates and life is happening while we're on these Zoom calls, right? We can't hide the fact that, you know, our, our son or daughter comes in and just interrupts, you know, potentially a podcast or, you know, a, a, an important meeting. Um, we can't put up these walls um, as to who we are. Right now, everything's on display. And I think this is really going to usher in uh, more acceptance of that authenticity, right? And physical workspaces um, have spoken and unspoken rules, and um, those go away when we're interacting in more remote environments. And I think that we are able to truly be ourselves. So I think authenticity and, and this notion around bringing your whole self to work um, I think that will accelerate quite a bit, which is also, to me, a silver lining. And I think another thing that we may see is, you know, we've all been on this kick for diversity and inclusion. And I think, um, you know, companies have struggled to really make this happen. And part of the reason is, you know, if you've got offices um, that are only in the coastal cities, for example, like Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, and, um, you know, you can you can bring in people with different experiences, but once they come into those physical locations, they do tend to 
um, acclimate to their environment and potentially even lose some of those experiences that made them unique or not be willing to share those. And I think that, um, you know, these, you know, being kind of, we're now realizing that we can get work done in a lot of different ways. And I think that's going to open up the diversity um, of the workforce. We're going to be able to get people from other areas of the country that potentially we thought, well, wow, we could never operate in this environment before. Um, and I think we're going to make sure that, I think we're going to open up new talent pools as well, right? People who potentially physically couldn't get to an office or didn't want to move for uh, various reasons or couldn't move are now going to be able to join your workforce and be very effective um, and, and efficient in that, in that space. So I think it's going to really open up um, the diverse aspects of the workforce. You know, alongside that, another silver lining that I see is, um, you know, real personalization to enable people to thrive at work, right? So some people do well in offices and some people do well working remote. And we try to force everybody, or, or pre-pandemic, we're trying to force people to really adopt to one style of working. Gosh, you have to be in the office or we have an open plan workspace, which is you know, not really conducive to introverts, for example, or people who you know, need quiet work time. And I think we're gonna find that companies are going to let people figure out how to get things done. Uh, the focus is gonna be much more on results, not efforts. Um, and I think that's also going to create this, uh, this other silver lining, which is less busyness. I think a lot of us run from meeting to meeting and before the pandemic, we were running from you know, event to event and our lives were completely overscheduled and everybody you talked to would be like, oh gosh, I'm just so busy. Um, and because we were physically in workspaces and you would see somebody working long hours in those workspaces, you would assume that the effort correlated to results, and that's not necessarily the case. So I think there's gonna be much more emphasis on results, um, on, on seeing things get done. And I think as a result of that, I think employees are gonna be more mindful of how they spend their time, potentially and hopefully less meetings, um, and, and more uh, focus on getting things done. Fantastic, yeah, there's a ton to unpack there. So I'm gonna jump around a little bit, but okay. thank you because that's, Number one, it's great to hear these things, especially now, but it's true. We are making progress, I think, in really all of these areas, and that's exciting. Um, among them, I'm going to jump back to when you talked about kind of the authenticity component, and it's, it's so fascinating because it kind of gives us, whereas previously we may have been like isolated in a work environment to an extent, like we know that our teammates have lives outside the office, but we often don't get to see behind the scenes there. And when, you know, everyone's working from home now, like you said, you can be uh, interrupted unexpectedly, despite whatever it is you may be trying to do by pets and other family members and all kinds of stuff. It reminds me of a, uh, a video, a Zoom call that I was on uh, about a week ago with someone I'm working with. And while he was trying to communicate with me, his like three-year-old son uh, was trying to vie for his attention as well too. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was really cool. Eventually after, you know, his attempts to try to multitask or focus on the conversation failed, he just kind of like picked the son up, put him on his lap. And I had like a five, 10 minute conversation with this little boy, <laughs> which was awesome. We talked about like bicycles and motorcycles and all kinds of stuff. And awesome. uh, it was awesome because it, it, and I think it helped to raise, you know, not that it didn't exist there before, but it helped me prioritize empathy for 
everyone else and what they're going through as well too, right? Because I know what I'm going through, but now I can literally see what other people are going through as well too, right? I've got a window into that experience right. for them. So, so it, it not only did I get a better understanding to, um, you know, to learn more about them. So I feel like our relationship has grown because of it, but I think it also helps in the area we're developing uh, additional empathy for people as well too, which can never hurt, of course. And then, um, and the other component that you mentioned as well too, which I'd love to talk about further because it fascinates me, is this world of like the quote unquote work environment, right? And what that looks like and how that's going to change. You know, previously where co-working spaces were making a lot of noise for years and that was seen as relatively disruptive as the, you know, gig economy starts to really develop and people can kind of work from anywhere. Um, still yet we have now people like companies that had had probably relatively averse to the so-called flexible work from home policies now seemingly just kind of having to figure it out overnight. And then it's a, it's a massive case study, right? And to the level of like, how productive were you realistically able to be? Like were some of the things that you were worried about as far as how productive our workforce would continue to be, you know, were they realized or were they largely overblown? And as such, like, what have you experienced there? So I'd love to hear you talk about that in a little bit more detail, especially with all your experience in HR and how you see this changing policies for kind of companies moving forward. Yeah. So a good friend of mine and who also works in HR said uh, when, when this whole thing started, said, you know, you can squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, but you can't put it back in. And that's really how I feel about remote work policies. And I, I think a lot of um, remote work policies were, uh, or, or lack of embracing remote work policies were, were based on the fact that managers were uncomfortable, didn't know how to manage or get or, or um, set expectations in a remote environment. And some of that comes from, you know, like, you know, I've, I've been working now for 25 years. And, you know, back when I started working in 1995, the concept of remote work didn't exist, right? And so you you went to the office and you sat there from eight to five and then you went home. And so like a lot of a lot of evolution has happened in this area. And so if you've been in the workforce for a long time, you just have to adjust and realize that this can be done. But if you were trained as a manager uh, to, to manage in a fully on-site environment, it's sometimes hard to make that leap. And um, <clears throat> the reality is that I, I don't think that people are going back so I should say office workers, because, you know, people that have to be in an office holder, you know, you know like, or a physical plant, we still need to do that. But I think that you're going to see um, companies reduce their footprint in terms of office space as well. It's, a, it's an obvious cost savings. You know, um, every company right now is being hit in some way, right? And so they're having to make some strategic decisions about cost containment or cash uh, preservation and so real estate is one opportunity for all companies to downsize and um, especially I think they're realizing that the ability to be remote is really what's keeping their companies alive right now and um, I think that they are seeing uh, productivity levels I talked to somebody yesterday uh, who said that you know they've kind of they just recently embraced this remote work as part of this pandemic and what they're finding is not only are people productive, they're also working at different times of the day. So um, on, over the weekends, they're seeing 90% productivity rates compared to during the week. And so what that means is people are actually um, you know, working when they can and when they, when they want to or when it's convenient to their schedule. 
Now, I think the one challenge that you have with that is, of course, making sure that people have some kind of boundaries around work and are not overworking. And that's, you know, with a lot of my clients who spent time, you know, saying, hey, listen, just because you're home doesn't mean that we're expecting you to work 24-7. You still need to make time for everything in your life. And especially right now, if you get sick, we really want to make sure that you're taking time off and not working. But yeah, I, I think this is a trend that companies are just going to have to, um, uh, to, to learn to adopt. I think HR has a lot of opportunity to bring in uh, tools to the workplace, which help facilitate this. Because um, I, I actually, it's, it's interesting, I haven't heard a lot of people, even with kids at home, saying, gosh, I really wish I was back in the office. They may say, gosh, I wish the kids were back in school. But <laughs> I haven't, I haven't heard from a lot of office workers that they're itching to get back in. Um, I have heard that there are uh, people that are missing some of those informal kind of overheard conversations. If you work in sales, you get to hear what marketing is doing, but, but nothing beyond that. So yeah, this is going to be a trend that the companies are, are definitely going to have to embrace. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting seeing how everyone's responding to it. Some, we've had some conversations with some staff geek customers, of course, as well, too, as we continue to you know, grow our platform. And most recently, it was around this topic. And uh, they talked about and shared with us how their views are kind of evolving. And they were you know, at the executive leadership level. There was a couple of a different opinions. But now with the case study that is currently playing out, they're able to basically measure it in real time. And one thing I found interesting Right. I know personally, probably what I would prefer, like I'm typically, I've been working similar to you and, you know, in this type of a role for a while now, but others have not. And as such, what they're seeing is that there is a subset of their workforce population that is loving the flexibility right now, how liberating it can be and they can work when they want and so on and so forth. Um, and then there's a subset of the population that desperately wants to get back to the office, which I thought was also really interesting. And that probably speaks to what you're referring to in that, like missing that the social component, right? Is that's the other thing is like, even though it affords us maximum flexibility, it can be fairly isolating, especially if you don't have a lot going on wherever you are um, and you're homebound right now, for example. So I imagine there's probably going to be some form of a balance that makes the most sense for most of the workforce, but then flexible options from there. But I don't know, I'm like, curious to get your take on that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of the question about, so, so it's gonna be interesting because there is a new normal, even when we are able to go back to offices and, and have people come back in, it's probably not gonna be the way it was, right? Especially in the short term, common areas won't be utilized. And, you know, you'll still be very isolated. There'll be groups let in at a time, but not, the entire office, right? You're going to have to stagger that. So, and um, I do think that, uh, you know, I, I do think it's going to be interesting in the short term to see how that plays out. I think, you know, this goes to the trend of this truly personalized work experience where people can thrive in the way that they, uh, you know, in the environments that work best for them. So I do think there is, to your point, a subset of the population that will want to work in an office. <clears throat> you know, some people also don't have and you know, comfortable spaces in their homes to, to be able to work. So that's another element that comes into it. Um, and so I, I do think that there will be some subset of the population that does that, but I, do, but I also think um, you know, there's going to be a very large part of the population that does not return to offices 
and that could be um, also a decision made by the office just because you know they can save money on on the real estate costs right now and you know depending on how the pandemic plays out and i know there's a real push to open up parts of the economy and you know, we, we, this is something we're gonna be dealing with for a long period of time, right? There's gonna be times where the social distancing is a little bit more relaxed and we can go into the office. Um, and there's gonna be times when it's heightened again because we've had another um, uh, you know, kind of wave of this pandemic. And so I think the key is we're also gonna to have to be really flexible in how we let this happen. Um, but I, I think this, the real lesson here is that people thrive in different environments and we need to create our job as HR. And, and I think we're even gonna see this in schools to some degree, right? But our job in, is, as HR leaders or, or school administrators is to figure out, you know, how do we identify where people thrive and create those environments where they can be successful? That's really gonna be the key to companies um, really achieving success in these next few years. I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Setting our team up as best as we can for success and then affording them the flexibility whenever possible. So I think it's a great way to put it. Yeah, and I think that, that another area for us as HR is really focusing on the tools that facilitate people working in these different environments and bringing them together. So, you know, I know a lot of companies, especially tech companies, use tools like Slack or you know, project management tools like Asana, I think the expansion of those is, a, is another huge trend that we'll see. Sure, agreed. And that makes for an excellent transition because what I was gonna ask you about next, um, number one, I was gonna thank you for being here and sharing your very valuable knowledge with us and our audience. But the questions I have for you before we'll wrap up this show are, what resources, if any, would you like to share with uh, myself and our audience? Yeah, you know, resources are kind of interesting right now. Um, I think there are, and you and I were just chatting about this, there are a lot of um, uh, best practices webinars right now. And so one of the things I would say is this is pretty much everyone's first global pandemic. So um, I'm not sure that there are a ton of best practices out there just yet. Uh, maybe six months to a year from now, we'll be in a better position to talk about best practices. So be wary of, you know, I, I still think that those are informal, or sorry, informative and, and things that you want to um, to listen to and learn from, but there are no best practices right now. You know, you've got to listen to everything really critically and figure out what makes sense for you. Um, so that's the first thing I would say. And I've been spending a lot of time recently listening to Brene Brown, and she's somebody that kind of she's a, she's a, a shame and vulnerability researcher, and she comes in and out of my life when I'm uh, you know kind of dealing with different emotions. Is probably the the trend, but she's got a great podcast called Unlocking Us, and it's very relevant. She's got a couple of um, great frameworks that she talks about relating to the, um, the pandemic, but also some great interviews with people that uh, talk about things like grief and, and loneliness and, uh, you know, really dig into some of the emotions we're facing right now. And I think that there is a lot of work for us to do as leaders as HR folks on focusing on the emotional aspects of what we're going through and helping our workforce kind of through this traumatic experience. So that would be another one. And, you know, I've also got a, a blog and, and I am trying, I'm trying this new series called Ask Anissa. So you can submit questions to me and then I do like a 90 second video every week and I give you some feedback on, on, on what, I, what I'm hearing. So those are some of the resources I recommend. Excellent, thank you for sharing and I'll include those in the notes. And then last question I have for you is, 
who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, so um, I mostly work with uh, CEOs or other you know, C-level executives that have a burning people platform or need some help. Right now, I'm dealing a lot with, how, with CEOs who are trying to figure out you know, how do we really balance what we need to do from a business perspective and a workforce perspective. Um, you can reach me on my website, which is www.thelowlab.net. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, and I've got, um, I post those videos on LinkedIn, and uh, also on Twitter at Anissa D. Fantastic. Thank you for providing Anissa. I'll link to those as well. And thank you for being here on the show, sharing your knowledge with both myself and our audience. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People Analytics Podcast powered by StaffGeek. If you or anyone you know is a leader in human resources or talent acquisition and would be interested in being a guest on our show, please reach out to me at sean at staffgeek.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at staffgeek, S-T-A-F-F-G-E-E-K.com. We would love to share your valuable knowledge with our audience. At this point, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, StaffGeek. StaffGeek helps companies hire smarter, increasing retention, and combating turnover all while reducing time to hire. They do this by creating a customized behavioral assessment around your company's unique culture. Armed with your fit tech assessment, you're able to evaluate which candidates are the right fit for your company's culture. Start hiring smarter today with StaffGeek. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to StaffGeek at hello at staffgeek.com or visit them on the web at staffgeek.com.